Welcome to Surfing the Psychic Waves. I'm your host, Christy Walsh. I'm excited to say hello to the globe. In this show, we hope to bring you new ideas to your spiritual path by letting you hear how other folks have walked their path or how they awakened. The planet, the solar system, and every being in it is waking up in some way or ascending on their spiritual path. Things are changing from a third or fourth dimensional world to something different. We're expanding our world from duality to a world where we are all one, and we're interested in new ways to create peace within ourselves and with others. Ascension means different things to different folks, but there are similar stories, and more energy is available to us to raise our vibration. We've noticed that we can connect with spirit faster, move energy around quicker, and time is speeding up. The way we use words is changing carrying new vibrations, and the way we interpret events is expanding. We're letting go of old ways of thinking and beliefs that do not serve us anymore, and we're asking different questions of ourselves and our world. For you mediums out there, look for the call to service in a new way, with the other side ready to collaborate. This can take the form of music, art, or some sort of design or public expression, even a radio show. So let's ride the waves of our new ascension, psychic, or spiritual spaces together and share our stories. So welcome listeners out there. We are surfing the psychic waves today with author Betsy Otter Thompson. She's the writer with a passion for communicating spiritual concepts, and I've read three of her books now, and I think she's just amazing. And in every job she has had from the age 16 on up to this moment, whether it was waitressing or selling radio time or being a commercial print model or an executive assistant at Castle Rock Entertainment or Warner Brothers, (laughs) a housewife, or just being an author, her lessons have been about understanding how she herself faces herself wherever she goes. So Betsy finally realized that each job and each person was an opportunity to know herself better and not an opportunity to blame others for her problems. So Betsy is the author of six books since 1991. The book that we're going to talk about today, her latest, is called What Happens If I Book? And it's based on the concept of whatever the soul gives, the soul lives. So welcome, Betsy. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here. Serve with the psychic waves. I think you're right on, um, right on the crest of that wave of what every human is thinking, and in every chapter, there's something that you can grab onto and realize, like, oh my gosh, I totally think that all the time, or I ask myself that question all the time. And some of the chapters just so folks out there can get a little glimpse is that the first one is what happens if I insist there must be one answer and another chapter is what happens if I make a mistake and another chapter that I loved was what happens if I obsess over another which I think humans obsess a lot (laughs) (laughs) I've been noticing that Um, I think we get worried well I know and um, the only thing is I don't know that there's anything wrong with obsessing. It just comes to when we have expectations of what's supposed to happen after we obsess. I think that's where all the problem comes in. I mean, I think we're supposed to love love each other and love each other a lot. It's just that when we say to ourselves, well, if I love that I'm supposed to get this back and that back and the other person is supposed to do this, that, and the other, that's when we get into trouble. So expectations are always getting us in trouble. Uh, We can love and we can love as much as we want to. We just have to just love and let go and not always feel that we have to to get back what we want to get back. We always get something back, but we don't always get back what we think we're supposed to get back. (laughs) We always, you know, if we give love, we get love. 
but we, we don't really have that much control over how that love's going to return to us. Yeah, if I get out of my own way, it's usually much bigger and grander than I could have ever imagined. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah. In fact, all my work is based on the idea that um, whatever you put out from yourself into the universe, the universe returns to you. It may not always look like what you think you're supposed to get or look like what you expected, but it's, it's always, emotionally, it's always right on target. So how did you come to write this book? Well, I was, I actually, I got the idea one night when I was going home from work, and um, I was having trouble, you know, I believed in the, in the mirror theory or the idea that I faced myself uh, wherever I went and that I attracted my emotional mirror back to me, but I was having trouble ex- being honest about what I must have given to explain what I had received. And so I was thinking to myself, the people, all the people around me were, were you know, into this idea of action-reaction or cause and effect or uh, karma or the law of attraction, whatever you want to call it. It's, just, it's about the energy pulling energy of same back to self. And so I had to figure out uh, what I had done, uh, what I had acted out that had attracted this mirror back to me that was so uncomfortable and would explain what had happened to me that day. And, you know, my most of my life I had... When this thing, when things like this happen, uncomfortable situation, I was always looking for someone to blame, and so I was trying to get out of the blame and trying to figure out what had I done that had attracted this energy back to me. And then I realized that, wow, if I could ask, you know, what happens if I do this or what happens if I do that, uh, I could have a, I could have a book that was incredible because I could uh, ask spirit to help me answer the questions, and that's that's sort of how the book started. That, you know, everybody. I knew had the same questions I had, and so, you know, we're all one, and so we were all having the same questions, and so that's how the book began. Another chapter I loved was, what happens if I do what I love, but the money doesn't come? Yeah. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> I, everybody likes that, um, because, we, you know, there was that big thing for a long time about uh, do what you love and the money comes, but, um, you know, what happens when you do what you love is you get love back. You don't you don't always get what you think you're supposed to get. But um you're still doing what you love. You know, if you do what you love, you're still doing what you love. More importantly, you have to ask yourself why is money supposed to be around everything you love? You know, we don't have that same criteria for the other pleasures we have. You know, if a person reads with a passion, is that person supposed to get rich from doing so? So, and why would, you know, for, for instance, why would I be the one who's supposed to get rich from my passion while the reader is not? Because the universe seems every passion as equal. I loved, I loved that. Because for some reason we forgot about the other side. Yeah. So if you're an author, then shouldn't you be paying your readers? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, and, more importantly, right? money isn't the reward for doing what you love. Happiness is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I really felt like in every chapter I, I was getting back to, oh, that's right. Yeah. It's the happiness I'm going for. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I think a lot of the ideas of the book we all know in our hearts, but we just forget it. We get distracted, and, and I'm no different from anyone else. I get distracted, too, and I have to be I have to bring myself back to, wait a minute, wait a minute, what do I know is true? So this is this is a book that I can refer back to myself and and get back on track. Yeah. I do notice 
that it seems like we can bounce back much quicker. Well, when you have the, when you understand what you're trying to get back to, when you understand that, um, you know, I see the universe as seeing everything as love. The universe doesn't say, oh, this is loving and this isn't. The universe interprets everything as love. So if I'm cruel to somebody else, the universe thinks that's my interpretation of love. And it sends me lots of cruelty back because that's what, I, that's what I'm acting out that I believe in. So as soon as we understand that idea that we want to get back whatever we give, we, we stop and we ask ourselves, you know, what am I giving that I'm asking to receive? Uh, it's an old idea, you know, but it has to be looked at in the different situations, the worldly situations, because otherwise we forget how it works. Well, yeah, I think in our in our in the smaller parts of our lives, we're getting that access to it. But then when we sort of make it bigger, I think some of the pieces of that sort of fall out. Uh, you know, and then if you're in meditation, you to- you get back to yourself and you get it again. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a little bit of a circle sometimes. When I've been talking but- to people through the years, what I've realized is that some people say, oh, okay, well, that idea, you know, action, reaction, it works in some situations, but it doesn't work in other situations. In other words, they're saying it doesn't work in the situations that I don't understand. But you have to first understand who you are and what you're giving because the universe, you know, when you have a law like action, reaction, the law of action, reaction, it doesn't work in some situations and not other situations. It works in every situation. It's just that we aren't always willing to acknowledge how it's working. Or how big it is. Yeah, it, it includes everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so today is Earth Day, and I loved what you were talking about, about the Earth, and that, you know, the Earth has this philosophy about living in miracles. Yes. The Earth gives us it wants to receive just like we need to. You know, it doesn't depend on us for what it needs. It just recycles whatever whatever it has to be and it and it grows from within whether we like it or not um and you know i was in one of the chapters that talks about the idea that if we if we pollute the oceans the oceans don't suffer we're the ones who suffer because we can't swim in the ocean uh or the food is tainted uh if we don't if we don't um keep our our farms uh tilled correctly with rotation um, the plants don't grow, and the, the earth doesn't suffer. We're the ones who suffer. So we're the ones who, you know, reap the benefits of whatever we do. The earth just goes along in its jolly way and uh, rejuvenates in whatever way it needs to. And it, it shows us how we need to rejuvenate ourselves by just going along and doing what we want to receive back. It's so simple when you talk about it in earth terms. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is. I, I think the whole I think the whole world is a mirror for us to learn from. I, I, the smallest things um, sometimes spirit gives me to show an, the example of something that I think, my gosh, everything existing is just this enormous mirror showing us ourselves. And it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I, I've, I've been told I don't have to look any further to solve my problems than the person I think is causing the problem, because that person is a mirror of me and showing me a part of myself. And I only need to deal what's going on with me, and everything else on the outside falls into place. That makes so much sense. I just think we've gotten a programming or a conditioning that it's somehow it's something always outside of ourselves. Yeah. And there's no way that could be true. No. We get distracted. It's so easy to get distracted by the picture. And it happens to me, too. It happens even though I know these ideas and I believe in them, I still get distracted sometimes. And so it's 
it's easy to get distracted when we think that the picture is the reward because the picture is so temporary. It comes and goes. It could be gone in a minute. It's just an illusion. And um, it's here today and gone tomorrow. And so we need to focus on what is real or what it is that we're going to have with us when we leave here, which is our emotional content. Yeah. Yeah. The emotional content. Like, that's that's a lot of stuff in there. Well, that's where the reality is of our lives. I think, you know, when you look back on your childhood, Christy, and you remember things, it's the things yeah. that affected you emotionally that you remember because you've lived millions of moments that you don't remember because nothing important was really happening in them in terms of your evolution. But the moments where something impacted you is what you remember from it being, you know, having an emotional impact on you. And so that's what our reality really is. I've often wondered if we've just sort of grown to value the negative type of emotional experiences as as being very poignant when the happy ones could be just as fantastic. Well, you know, I, I think that the, the negative, you have to deal with the negative by giving yourself a positive thought that overpowers the negative because the negative is always going to be there trying to be heard. I really think changing your life is about changing your habits and your patterns and knowing that you have free will to focus on whatever you want to focus on. I mean, if you focus on unhappiness, you just you just it multiplies, and whatever you focus on is going to expand. So if you're focused on the negative and unhappiness, it's going to get bigger. Uh, and if you focus on the positive and the good things that have happened, then that's going to get bigger. Because energy explodes from whatever it's focused on. If I let a thought run away with itself in my brain, it's going to just get bigger and bigger. And I, I've been able to find those, those sort of pockets um, a lot more quicker than I used to, but it's still like, wow, how did I go from, you know, zero to 60 with that thought? That's amazing. Um, so if I notice, if I get into the amazement of how fast I can think, then it's like, oh, then I can just pick other thoughts yeah. and just be, yeah. Sure. That's how I kind of climb out of it. But, you know, there's thoughts that I get stuck on and they're with me all day. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't need to do this. So I've noticed that, you know, things sort of get exhausting, like blaming stuff or blaming someone or some situation, it's exhausting. Well, it's exhausting because there's no solution. There's no solution from blaming. Yeah. So that's why it's exhausting. It's like a, a never-ending pit of of uh, never finding what you need or never finding your answers. So um, it's about all – you find your answer when you realize that each person is a gift and they're in front of you, giving you the challenge you need because they, you, something in them is something in you that needs to be looked at. And as soon as you look at yourself and find what the problem is, then you're, in, then you are in a position of power to change it. And I don't mean changing who you are. I mean changing the way you're acting out or thinking, or the equation that you're working with when you're dealing with someone else. And also, I, I found that a lot of times. The answer comes from putting myself in the position of the other person and asking myself, if I were that person, what would I want? What would I want to receive from me? You know, what would I? What would I? If I were that person, what would I want to be getting from me? And that always gives me the answer because you want you want to be treated kindly. You want to be treated with patience. You want to be treated um, with respect. Um, 
you want your ideas to count, you want you want to be an equal. So that's what you need to give to others if you want to feel that in yourself. It's just we get distracted along the way. It's so funny. Yes, we do get distracted because we think we think we're all separate. We think somebody's wrong and somebody's right, and somebody's got the best idea and somebody's got the worst idea. When everybody's just got the idea they need. Yeah. You know, you had a chapter called What Happens If I Sit Around and Do Nothing? Yeah. And I guess that might actually be my favorite one. Really? <laughs> because I don't ever admit to sit around and doing nothing. But I know there are days when that has happened. And I just I just was shocked that like I could find this. And and it really kind of unleashed this whole, I guess that's what I was doing all weekend when I was reading uh-huh. the book. It's like, like, wow, you know, why can't it be okay to just sit there? Well, it's, it's, here's the deal. Um, if you sit around and do nothing and you're happy, you're respecting your past, which is what, what is happening for you in the moment is that you're reading. If you're reading and you're unhappy with it, you're, you're feeling critical of your past. Yeah, so. <laughs> it was so silly. I'm sitting there going, "Oh my gosh, I'm." That's a lot of distraction going on while I'm trying to just relax. Yeah, I think the goal is really just to love whatever is. So if you're sitting around reading, then it's just the goal is to love that time. I mean, nothing's unproductive, and idleness is certainly not unproductive. Yeah. When you were writing about the idleness thing, I, I think of like Thoreau and Emerson, and and if they didn't just look at a pond for a, a day, <laughs> we wouldn't have these beautiful writings. Right. So, you know, it's I think it's we, all yeah, we really get distracted about what we're supposed to be accomplishing in the picture. Yeah, yeah and that's where that's where the problem starts because um, and the picture is just illusionary. I mean, you could be working for a year to accomplish something in the picture, and then everything collapses. Does that mean that your your year is wasted? It's not wasted if you loved every moment of it, but it's wasted if you were miserable and unhappy the whole time you were trying to gain that picture because the only thing you're trying to find is love. So if you aren't loving what you're doing, you're in big trouble. You better You better ask yourself, you know, why you are looking at your life that way. Because it's always, you know, you, I, people always say, well, I should have this or I should have that, and I should be, I should be, I should be in a different job, or I should be somewhere else with another person. The thing is, if you should be in another job, you'd be in another job. I mean, if your soul thought you should be in another job, you'd be in one. You wouldn't be in the one you have. You're in the one you have because there's something there for you to learn, or there's something there for you to learn to love, or something to see about yourself that will propel you forward and then as soon as you do understand why you have your mirror in your present job it the universe just gives you another job because you're not compatible with that energy anymore yeah the universe is always giving you what you're compatible with you just have to be honest with yourself and say okay that person does right i do see myself in that person and that's something in me that i need to look at and i need to understand and work through because Otherwise, you just you can move to three or four or five more jobs, and you're still going to have the same person in front of you. They have a different look, but they're going to be the same person emotionally that you had in five jobs before if you haven't looked at yourself to understand why that person keeps showing up. Yeah. 
I mean, it's an amazing thing to sit back and look at all the cast and characters and how much they haven't changed. (laughs) (laughs) Over the years, I've been getting more comfortable that that's okay. Like if a certain uh, person shows up and I'm having a reaction to it, it, it's okay that they show up again. It doesn't mean I got it wrong, you know, a couple jobs back or whatever, but it, it just... It's getting more humorous the older I get, I guess I could say. You know, there's always more to explore about yourself. And if I look at it that way, that it's an exploration and not a commentary of how well or... Well, I wouldn't worry about, well or, I, I wouldn't worry about a couple of years. I spent the first half of my life um, blaming every, everybody else. And I, I mean, all I did was uh, be miserable most of the time and, and attract people back to me who were blaming others for their problems or blaming me for their problems. And it wasn't, so it wasn't until I decided to take responsibility for my life and to be accountable and to say, you know, I was making the decisions that created my life, nobody else. I chose to do this and I chose to do that. Um, I'm the one who's, who has to answer to it. And if I don't like what I'm creating, then I need to act out something else. And so when I started taking responsibility, lo and behold, I started attracting people to me who were also taking responsibility. Yeah. And that's, it's, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really different when that happens. Yeah. When I think about my life now, it, it seems so much more fun. And the idea of showing up in different places is a lot more fun. But, you know, it took me a long time. (laughs) So I'm still blaming, you know, I'm still blaming myself. I don't think it matters how long it takes you, because even if you don't find it in this lifetime what you're looking for, you'll come back and try again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's that performance thing. It's like you want to get it right the first time, you want to be perfect. And I love that you started off with being perfect first. We get that out of the way. I don't think anyone is supposed to be perfect. I, I don't think there's anything. Um, I mean, I don't. I just don't think that perfection has anything to do for with our journey. Uh, I think the only perfect thought is that we're all perfectly wonderful the way we are. Yeah. And who do we need to be perfect for anyway? And why? Because you know, do you like being around somebody who's always striving for perfection? I, I know I don't. So I don't know why anyone would welcome that from me. Gosh, we just twist ourselves into pretzels. <laughs> we do. We do. One of the chapters on obsessing, you said that you're here to fall hook, line, and sinker for everyone. Right. Yes, with no expectations. I mean, I have noticed those limits in myself about how much I can go for something or how much I can like something whether it's a group of people or it's it's amazing how many limits just sort of hang around waiting to be used. What if I love everything to death as much as I possibly can? Well, I don't know. I've never tried it. I just think that um, the only problem comes up is when we if we obsess over something or somebody uh, and we're, we 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 um, feel enormous love for them. It, it feels good to feel that love. We only get into trouble when we're asking ourselves, will that person obsess back? Will I make a fool of myself? Will I get hurt? That's why we worry about obsessing. Yeah. So the question you have to ask yourself is, can I enjoy the emotional investment the emotional investment in another without worrying if it's going to be reciprocated? 
Yeah. And and the, and the good the, the the bonus is the more we can love others without expectations, the more we can receive without expectations. You know, more the universe can give to us without expectations. And and if we want to be loved without, you know, if we want to be loved unconditionally, then we need to give unconditional love. It's it's the only it's the only way to get what you want is by giving it away to others. So what do you hope folks get out of this book? I mean, I love it. I'm still reading it. I would highly recommend it. <laughs> Every chapter is totally awesome. The one about what happens if I live without integrity. I forget what I found there, but I was really glad. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I went through that, too. That was a big struggle of mine, of living with integrity. And that's that's all about the idea of remembering that everyone is you. And if you if you could read the minds of others, what would you hope to read there? And if you, if others could read your mind, what would you feel comfortable having them read in your mind? Yeah, it's like your thoughts really do matter. They do matter. They do matter. And your emotions, I mean, not that you can't think whatever you want, uh, but if you are thinking about other people, I mean, I certainly had this a very vivid lesson with this <clears throat> when I was having trouble getting along with one of my bosses and, I was saying to myself uh, real sarcastic remarks about him when I was home but by myself. But I carried that around in my aura. And even though mm-hmm. my boss didn't know what I was thinking, he could feel it. And as soon as I – and he reacted to it in a way that was not comfortable for me. So as soon as I, I, I changed my mind and started looking for all the good reasons, uh, all the good things about him and all the reasons that I was glad to have the job – I never said it out loud, but he could feel the change in me, and he and he can change his reaction to me. Because we think our thoughts are private, but they really aren't. Everybody knows how we feel, whether they react to it or whether they acknowledge it. That's something else. But thoughts are not something like matter or the illusion cannot separate feelings. Feelings are part of reality. Right, and if you know, I'm reading my Wallace Waddles book, and it's saying thoughts become things. <laughs> then I can clean up my thoughts, I think. Yeah, I mean, we do. We manifest. That's how we manifest, by giving energy to a thought, and then it grows. I guess the most important idea that I want people to get out of the book is the idea that we live in a balanced universe, which is a theme that runs through all my writing. Um, and the idea, as I said before, that the universe thinks everything is love, so it just reads my aura, and that returns to me my own definition of love. I mean, that's, I think, you know, even somebody who's there's a chapter on killing in the book and even the person who kills um, thinks they're going to find love from doing so. They're really only searching for love. I mean, and, and it really the, the, the most important idea there is that can you have compassion for I'm really glad you're bringing this up because a long, long, long time ago in my clairvoyant program uh, here in California, with the Berkeley Psychic Institute, there was many of us in this one room. We were reading um, a client, and we were still students. And this guy walked in. He was from L.A., and we all knew. We all knew that he had taken someone's life, possibly two. Um, and we didn't talk to each other or anything like that, even even after the reading, it took many days for us to even verbalize what we were looking at. And um, I would have to say on that 
sort of healing aspect, that clairvoyant aspect, you know, we're in meditation. Um, he's asking questions about his aura and his chakras and asking pretty much if we could see what we were looking at. Um, in that space, it was just like a, a human that just got lost. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see something that was unnatural, I mean, there were so many shocking things about being in that room and having that experience that, you know, I'm so grateful for. But I'm also really just amazed that somebody's lost might look like that. And, you know, the level of compassion that we need to sort of use and embrace and have for ourselves as much as someone else. I mean, I noticed that it was totally easy to have it for someone else. I'm sure my thoughts later in the car, I was like all upset about, you know, the shoes I picked out that day to wear or something like that. Something totally ridiculous. But, you know, at some point those thoughts really get in there and and can be something else. And, And when you're looking at someone else and their aura and their space and they're sort of coming to you like just in this bewilderment, you realize that, wow, there, there is a completely different thing going on here than anything I've ever seen on the news. You know, if you, if you um, believe that we, we uh, come here for a while, we like a school, we come here to learn whatever we need to learn, and then we go back home, and then when we're ready to learn something else, we come back. Um, I believe that's what, what happens, because I think that the Earth shows us our true reality by the way it births it dies and rebirths over and over and over. And mm. everything that lives on the earth does the same thing. And so I believe we do too, because the earth is a mirror of us. But if you think of it that way, then how do you know that in a past life you haven't been a killer and that you had to go through that lifetime in order to get to this lifetime? Yeah, you know, I've I've really sort of realized that I mean, what else would I be doing in, you know, 1100 AD? Wouldn't I have gone on a crusade? Wouldn't have weird stuff happened, you know, on those crusades? You never know what you would, you know, I don't think we're supposed to know clearly what we've been yeah. through. But, but, we, but we can trust that whatever we've been through has gotten us into this lifetime. And so whatever that was um, helped us and moved us forward moved us inward, and so why wouldn't this lifetime be helping the killer in that way, too? And when people say, well, what about the victim? And I say, well, the soul has everyone where they need to be because the soul is ever wise. Uh, And we we don't know what the soul needs. We don't know what people come here to understand, to live, to grow through, to become, to any. We don't know any of that. We only have charge of our own lives. So we can't really judge what they're doing, and we can't judge, I mean, it's very popular to call someone the killer and someone the victim. But the soul wouldn't have the victim there if the soul didn't think it was wise for that person to be there. And that's part of their journey. And so it's really about allowing, letting go of the judgment and just allowing people to live whatever they need to live and, and do the best you can because you cannot change other people no matter how much you want to. Uh, yeah. They will not change for you. They change for themselves. Because there's a lot going on. There's the soul involved. There's their own sort of communication with the universe and with the earth and with God or source, whatever you call it. And there's a lot of unseen, you know, beings that they work with that I couldn't possibly know. 
you can't possibly know. You don't know what they're what they've been through, what they're here to understand, and and they're we're you know I always love to go back to Shakespeare saying we we you know it's a stage we're all in a stage of life, uh, we're we're acting out our roles, and um, and so some have taken roles that don't look that uh, that, that attractive to us, but their role is important or they wouldn't be here. You don't have to worry yeah. about other people. We just need to worry about ourselves. I think that's what keeps us so distracted is when we get focused on other people and what they're doing instead of what we're doing. <laughs> right. For some reason, we've been sort of distracted into looking at everything outside of ourselves. Um, I love the book, and I think folks can find it on Amazon. Yes, they can. They can find it on Amazon, or they can find it by going to my website at BetsyThompson.com. All right. And your other books? All right. So BetsyThompson.com. <laughs> 